Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Pathways to Business Success podcast. My name is Ihab Tabara, and I'll be your host. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of having with me our amazing guest speaker, Emil Harib, the founder and CEO of Shelf. Just a bit of background information for our listeners. Shelves is a cloud-based field force management solution aimed to automate the data collection and task management process for merchandisers with the goal of providing real-time visibility and digital report for any companies that deployed a field force in the market. Emil holds a master degree in finance from CAS Business School and has passed the CFA level. He started his career with KPMG UK as an auditor. He co-founded Codefish, one of the leading software development agency in MENA. He founded Shelves in 2017 and won the 2016 Lebanon Seed Star competition. Well, Emil, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here today on my podcast. Thank you. Same here. Same here. Yeah. So as usual, I'll be asking my guests a few questions in order to have a more deeper understanding and they would shed some light for us on their business. And hopefully we can learn from them on how to become an entrepreneur. So, all right, let's start with my first question to you, Emil. So please tell us how did you decide to become an entrepreneur? Uh, well, actually, about um, 15 years ago, I was in the, in the finance world. I was interested in it, but not that much, I'm going to be honest. Mm -hmm. And then out of the blue, I have two school friends of mine who were who are software engineers in North America who came back to Lebanon and decided to you know to, to for us to take advantage if you want of the booming tech sector in the region because it was fairly virgin back then and uh, I always had a very big interest in technology uh, even during my, my my the start of my career and the most important thing is that I love the lifestyle of an entrepreneur although it's contradictory to most uh, beliefs but uh, i was very you know attracted to this roller coaster cyclical exactly type <laughs> of lifestyle because it fits my character that's it it's nothing more than that and um, it was extremely challenging because at the end of the day one of the nice things about entrepreneurship outside the bad things of course but one of the nice things is that you develop a multitude of skills mm -hmm. and this is something that i personally care a lot about you know when you reach this point where yourself especially you know after 10 15 years of entrepreneurship you feel very much capable of starting any type of business you have the right mindset and so on and so forth so this atmosphere i was very much drawn to and you know i joined we joined we opened the codefish and one thing led to another and you you start the journey and uh, things flow on their own usually exactly wow that's yeah. quite impressive multiple yeah. skills and then to exactly the, the the thing you mentioned here to have the right mindset for you to be entrepreneur exactly. is, is very important i think yeah 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 exactly and you know there is also a lot of people misunderstand uh, i think i mean from what i hear because i said it's mm -hmm. all about you know i think if you ask me what is the number one skill of an entrepreneur yes, for me it's it? persistence that's persistence, per yeah, persistence. yes perse slash perseverance whatever whichever yeah, exactly. you want to choose the rest commitment, commitment perseverance exactly. yeah. Yeah, yeah perseverance because at the end of the day the rest uh is fairly straightforward i mean a lot of people have it but what separates i think overly successful entrepreneurs from shall we say 
less successful entrepreneurs is who's willing to go all the way. And that's it. Because at the end of the day, you're going to get so many slaps along the way. And it's annoying sometimes. For example, yeah. 2020 yeah. was the biggest slap of all time. So it's understandable when people give up. It's fair. So that, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's, what I, that's what happened with me. And I made so many mistakes. And, you know, but uh, you figure it out and uh, you move on. You know? It's a, it's a long yeah. journey. It's a long journey and a long game, I think, right? The, the, the strongest... It's a marathon, not a sprint. Not yeah, it's a marathon. Sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Exactly. So, so, yeah. Emil, tell so us that's your, for the why. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So tell us mm -hmm. your story and the journey of shells. I mean, how they started, uh, where is it yeah, now? Yeah, yeah, um, Well, it's uh, nice and easy. The beautiful thing about shells is that it wasn't even my idea. That's the nice part about okay. it. Yes. <laughs> so very well, very simply, we have in, uh, so during Codefish, so in a nutshell, Codefish was an agency that built so many softwares, mobile apps. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody who wanted to be a tech billionaire who thought he's going to be a tech billionaire or she's going to be a tech billionaire used to come to us because they needed a technology partner. So okay. we've built so many platforms left and right across the board. Uh, but eventually we understood and realized that, you know, it's all about focusing on one product because, you know, most of us have the issue of lack of focus. Mm -hmm. And out of the blue, a very good friend of mine from school as well. So okay. my two partners were with me in school. So it was all a school thing. Uh, who owns Café Najjar, uh, uh, one of the largest coffee manufacturers in the region, mm -hmm. uh, came to us with a problem, which is usually the best this thing. Is, exactly. Yeah, this is a starting point of having Spot any more problem. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. And the problem was very simply, which was a regional problem. So, you know, at the end of the day, we can take a step back and understand the cultures we live in. When you are in emerging markets, Africa, Middle East, so on and so forth, there is a big problem with, uh, uh, shall we say, when you work with people, control, visibility, data access, and so on and so forth. That's a massive problem, especially with FMCG, who cover massive countries and massive point of sales across the country. So Najjar came to us with the problem that we have a team of field representatives, we're going to call them, who mm -hmm. uh, visited all their point of sales and so on and so forth to collect a lot of data, but there was no visibility on them, uh, no way to retrieve the data and you know do some aggregation on it and so on and so forth. So we built a small pet project, shall we call it, for mm -hmm. this team of six, seven people. And uh, after we delivered the project, it was a project, nothing more than that. And, uh, you know, again, you start sniffing around, you start asking another distributor and another distributor until you realize, you know, okay, could be interesting. Okay. And then came a competition uh, by a Swiss organization. They were called, they have Seed Stars. They're a very Seed nice stars. organization. Yes. Okay. So they do a global competition. Uh, yeah. in Lausanne for okay. uh, about 60 countries, for all the companies that, um, so every start, country's start winner, start for startups, so every country's winner will go represent their country in Lausanne. So we participated in the Lebanese competition and won. And you know, when we won and went there, we came back with a different mindset. No, of course, okay. you have a VC funding you and all this kind of thing, yeah? Exactly, and we got our first funding <clears throat> from BNY, our, our, our lead investor. Mm -hmm. And uh, the story started and slowly, slowly we started building product, acquiring new distributors. It was very challenging because the FMCG industry is an extremely complex industry. 
Mm -hmm. And uh, we had no credibility, you know, at the end of the day, if you want to work with the Nestle's and the PNGs and, and, and you need a certain credibility, as you know. A profile, so it took yeah, us a while, a profile, mm -hmm. a bulletproof product, data confidentiality. There's a lot of things, obviously, because the amount of data we hold is extremely important and confidential and crucial mm -hmm. for these companies. So you have to make sure you have the best standards to do so. And, uh, and that's it. And the journey started, we recruited, we kept on raising, so on. And then obviously 2020 came, which was a nightmare for all of the startups. Absolutely. But we were lucky enough to be in the FMCG industry. Because at the end of the day, booming. Yeah, 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 yeah. which is, uh, yeah, and we work specifically with the pharmaceuticals, FMCG and tobacco, which are the only three point of sales that are open usually <laughs> if you yeah, see yeah, my yeah. point so yeah. we were able to navigate it through and uh, the journey Brilliant. goes on i love the story i mean actually if i can uh, put it there in contrast the cafe najar story it could be like your minimal viable product you know like your uh, prototyping absolutely. Uh, uh, project absolutely. and then it, it, it worked and then you you scale it up uh, absolutely you went to lausanne for pitching to sea stars and uh, it's beautiful this, uh, this Actually, sorry, I have to interrupt, but this is exactly what happened. It was a well said, an MVP, mm -hmm. and Najar teams worked with us day and night. I mean, I went, spent months in the supermarket. You know, it was a new industry for me. What do I know about yeah, exactly. you need to understand. You need to understand that. You need to, yeah, 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 definitely. Exactly. So it was a very nice team effort, uh, and uh, you know, and and it, the company it, it pays up. It, it paid up. <laughs> That's what I mean by that's why I, that's what I mean by persistence. I mean, at the end mm. of the day, it's not rocket science. You're not inventing the wheel. You know, we're neither going to the moon nor you're just perfecting a process or changing process or something. So it's just how long you're willing to go, and uh, eventually it's going to pay off. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah. So that's a nice and simple story, which is not my idea. Which is which is I love I love startups that come from a problem. These are for me the startups that's I invest in blindly. That's you know? uh, uh, yeah. That's the most important key, um, key here to yeah, start with exactly. a problem. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. Can you take us through Shelf and explain it to us in you know in lane terms? How does it work? Uh, how the clients, yes. you know, this, the, all this data collections. How does it work? I mean, explain to us the whole process. Very simply, yeah. So since you know we are consumers, so let's take a use case of you and myself, for example. Mm -hmm. We yes. go to the supermarket. When you get to the supermarket, there is uh, actually a very interesting marketing concept uh, that was initiated by PNG. That's actually on, on our pitch. It's the first slide. They call it the first moment of truth. Mm. Why is it apparently? Uh, very simply, it takes, uh, it, according to the research, it takes three to seven seconds to turn a consumer from a browser to a buyer. It's a very interesting statistics. So when you get to the shelf, usually have, and you look at products on these shelves from different brands, you have psychologically three to seven seconds to decide on which product to buy. Mm -hmm. This concept is initiated by PNG to demonstrate the importance of having your shelves perfected in the sense yes. of clean, always available product, uh, no expired items, and so on and so forth. So many other key how the display of products affect the psychology of consumers when you pick it up. So the concept wow. is that these companies care enormously about the, their shelves because for them, if you spend billions of dollars on advertising, but you go to a supermarket, find a shelf that is misorganized or dirty, you're not going to pick up the product. It's very simple. Exactly. So, exactly. So 
these companies have massive workforces on the ground. They have mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. between, uh, I'm going to call them field reps. I'm not going to call them merchandisers or sales or promoters because it's different types of field reps depending on the company. They could be promoters promoting products. They could be retail auditors fixing the shelves. So it's different type of field reps that take care of the display of these companies in supermarkets or point of sales. Could be uh, uh, traditional trade, could be supermarkets, could be class B, whatever type of point of sale that includes their products. So. Take, for example, a country like Saudi Arabia, mm -hmm. which is huge and has a very big consumption in terms of FMCG industry. Yes. They have hundreds of people on the ground performing such activities on a day-to-day -day basis. Okay. And these are, if you want, as one of our clients called it, they're your eyes on the ground. So they know exactly what's happening on the ground and they are the intermediary between the company and the point of sale. So, Previously, most of these teams use pen and paper yes. or, you know, use some sort of solution, which is a bit outdated, so on and so forth. So the real power of the data coming from these people was not well uh, looked so, at or organized. Or, organized or, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is what we did. We, 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 we very simply provided an end-to-end -end solution whereby field reps will have a mobile app. I'm not going to get into the details, but to collect mm -hmm. the entire type of data required by these companies. And this data comes back to our portal, our web application to, for analysis, data mining, predictability, and monitoring. And on the scale of a client, for example, take, uh, now we're starting to have multi-country clients. So you get okay. the big multinationals uh, that signs you up in five, six countries. You consolidate their entire market data on one platform. Wow, And it starts having a lot of effect if you want internally on the company you have. So for example, all field reps now are compensated based on the performance on the ground. Uh, all sales teams uh, um, rely a lot on the data coming from these people on the ground in order for them to know and optimize their sales routes. Marketing uses enormously as well our solution for images, for promotion checking, for so on and so forth. So it's core raw data, basically, uh, that is becoming wow. crucial on all levels in a company, from the field rep all the way to the CEO. Usually our best friends are top management, obviously, because you, know, you can uh, just log in and check whatever the ha is happening anywhere in the world on any shelf for any of your brands. So, and, and one more point, uh, the problem is, Ihab, is that because there's so much competition in FFCG, I mean, crazy competition, it's who has more data wins the game. Okay. Very simple. Data it's not any, but it's especially, I mean, like in every industry, but specifically in this, I mean, take an example, my clients say, go to the chocolate section, for example. You have 300 chocolates. Which so one to choose from? Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. ones to choose? Same logic everywhere. So, it's who has the best display, the best promotion, the best price, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that wins the game. So if you want to be able to achieve this, you need data. For example, we have some specific multinationals, not to name them. They have a company policy. They never take a decision without data, data. to back it up. Mm -hmm. it's, mm -hmm. it's becoming, it's happening. And it's great for us because we're taking advantage of this. Yes, definitely. definitely. So that, that, that's it in simple English, if you see my point. And... Uh, that's what you're trying to do. Well, that's great. It's like you said, like, yeah. 
the PNG model first moment of truth, right? That's what you say, three to seven for people, psychology, to choose which product to, to choose. Absolutely. To choose between, to become a buyer, from a browser to a buyer. Thank and you so uh, much, Emil, for that you're clarification. Welcome. You're welcome. My pleasure. Uh, tell us about the challenges you face during your journey and what other opportunities are coming up down the line. Uh, okay, I'm going to split this question into two parts. Yeah, okay. There are the normal challenges of entrepreneurship, which are applicable on everyone, I guess. Mm -hmm. And there are the challenges of being here in Lebanon. So exactly. that's a different, that's a different ball game. Uh, look, the challenges of being an entrepreneur, as I said, it, it, it is you're going to have a lot of moments where you're going to have some nervous breakdowns, you're going to give up, you're going to lose entirely motivation, wow. you're going to be threatened by a competitor, you're not going to be able to raise money on time, so you're not going to be able to pay your salaries on time, and you're going to feel like very bad about it. But, you know, for me, these are part of the journey. Uh, for example, I was a bit Maybe when I started my entrepreneurship career, you know, I was young, very inexperienced, so I made a lot of mistakes. I was a bit immature on some things, so definitely um, I could have done things differently, but, you know, I've learned them myself. Unfortunately, I didn't have a mentor. That's something I very much regret. I wish I had. It would have made a very That's big difference. really important to have a mentor, by the way. Really important. One of the most important things for me and, uh, you know, somebody who, who understands because there's a, a lot of people confuse. I see a lot of people who have mentors and stuff, but at the end of the day, personally, I want a mentor who understands the journey we're going through. There mm. are, you know, this is very important, who can relate to the frustrations that we face and so on and so forth. So, so in terms of the challenges, these are the normal challenges of entrepreneurs. Now, the biggest challenge is more where you are. And that's frankly, for me, the bigger challenge than actually entrepreneurship. I mean, Opening a business, starting a business, you know, I'm aware, I accepted all the sacrifices, so it was never a big deal for me. The big deal is being here in Lebanon and being yes. so much delayed, you know, uh, versus back, you Backdated, yeah, backdated and not, uh, not, prog not progressing, you know, yeah. Yeah, and while other startups are the opening R&D centers and doing global partnership and raising hundreds of millions of dollars, we are trying to figure out the basic things that we are facing, which is uh, puts you at a disadvantage. Uh, yeah. As well, your entourage changes as well. You know, for, for example, uh, there is something we struggle a lot from here, at least, at least me. If you want to grow, you need uh, like-minded people around you, you know, that yeah. uh, know much more than you, that can teach you, that can guide you. You know, this is not very much uh, available here. Yeah, it's honest. not. Yeah, I mean, yeah. nobody can it's be not. in a correct mindset with this exactly. current situation exactly. in Lebanon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And most of them left. So these are, personally, these are the things that affect us. But the actual journey of entrepreneurship, for example, every time somebody comes to me and tells me, I want to open a startup, blah, blah, blah. I, I never talk about the startup itself. I just talk to them about, do you have the mindset? Do you understand, uh, you know, it's not a part-time thing. You can't keep your job and open it. You get me. These a lot of people fall in that. So mm. once you have the mindset, Alas, you you just go all the way. But it's the other obstacles, the silly obstacles that you face here that are a total waste of time, uh, like not being able to receive money from abroad from your clients because it's blocked. It's those yeah. things that drain you. 
small thing that uh, drain, small things that drain you which which take a lot of effort and energy from you which you cannot concentrate on the the bigger plan and it's and it's stupid things that's what's annoying yes. it's not like a threat from a competitor or you lost the client it's just stupid things you know so um but if you were to ask me this question five years ago obviously i had a very different understanding of startups and maturity towards startups so yes it was extremely challenging you know it's an emotional roller coaster because uh, you're always in the need to raise funds and that's one of the biggest issues of startups but once you reach a certain level where you become self-sufficient mm. which is cash flow positive yeah. this is a game changer for a startup specifically for the founder because yeah. everything changes everything becomes peaceful whatever happens it's okay we'll figure it out that's the mood i am in which is great yeah. but uh, before you know the challenge of funding uh, is is extremely challenging because you always have to look at your team and tell them sorry i can't pay you and you know some people they don't get their paycheck they can't live so these are some of the things that really mostly affected me uh, on a personal level but i was very lucky to have an amazing team uh, the team is like family they've been with us for 10 years so wow. it's not a team wow. it's a family yeah. plus all the stakeholders we work with whether our investor which is an investor a friend a mentor you name it Mm-hmm. Uh, the the the, the um, people we work with our clients we work a lot on the relationships we have because at the end of the day it's important it's important I think it's important yeah oh, that's what lasts especially with clients uh, so all of these uh, but, but but these were done from the mistakes I've learned from my previous experience obviously uh, so uh, all of these factors helped a lot keep the company forward and keep the momentum forward. Mm-hmm. Because we really had the right partners, we had a very healthy environment around us. You know, investor relationship; these are deal breakers sometimes if they're not the right ones. If you see my yeah. point. So, luckily, we 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 were okay with that, and uh, we 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 managed to survive the crisis. Our investors stood by us during the crisis. So, you know, everybody played their role for us to be able to overcome all of this. That's so it's great. a team effort, I guess. It's yeah, never one person's responsibility. That's important. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you, are you looking to scale up geographically into the GCC area? Oh, of course. I am doing so as we speak. Not GCC only, there is Africa as well. Okay, great. Yeah. Are, you looking, are you looking like a raising fund or anything? Well, anybody, actually... If anybody uh, is are, listening, our listeners are listening, anybody wants to have more <laughs> yes, ideas. We are, we, are, we are definitely looking to raise funds at some point. Okay. Uh, because now we're in the... We're luckily in a position where uh, we, we know exactly where to spend our funds. We know exactly which markets uh, we have a big advantage in. So it's just a matter now of multiplying our workforce and multiplying our efforts uh, to get to the expected revenues we have in mind. Okay. Uh, there are some small risks, obviously, have in terms of, for example, traveling for us. It's a bit difficult. In our case, unfortunately, although we're signing a lot of clients remotely, but these type, there are type of clients that, you know, it would make a difference if you're live, especially in Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. you know? So there are some, some, um, some markets, you know, when you, when you meet them, you, you build a relation, you help them because, you know, there's still, especially Africa. Africa is a very tricky market. It's still mm-hmm. new, that's upcoming. So you need this... Uh, Local exactly. presence, yeah, local presence. Exactly. So yeah, yeah. I, I need to sort of. Be, so we're there, but it's just more logistical 
points rather than anything uh, core in terms of a company or any issues that prevents us from growth no, we're there it's just a matter of time so we're expecting to do our series a within beginning of next year maximum okay great great yeah so anybody out there who's listening who's a vc or angel investors you can reach out to emil for uh, you know uh, for investing in if there is an interest yeah an interest yeah exactly uh, let me ask you my final question to you for today sure. is what advice do you have for any individuals who wants to start their own business Oof. um good question huh? <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to think where to start from look there's there's many things but first correct me if i'm wrong but there's a lot of people that you know at the end of the day it's a trend a lot of mm. times for example entrepreneurship became such a big trend everybody wants to quit everybody wants to open their companies everybody but in reality um turning ideas into that's what i noticed i mean turning i yeah 99 of people have ideas one percent of them execute them Mm. I think it's very important first, besides, okay, knowing what you're building, making sure there's a market for it, making sure there's a need. I mean, as I mentioned before, yeah, I was very lucky to create a company out of a need. Mm. And that's where a lot of people fall. They have products, but they're nice to have. Nice to have has an expiry, unfortunately. Um, that's, that's something very important to the mindset, the attitude. This is for me, number one. For example, let's say you're partnering with people. Who's your team? Your persistence level? How long are you willing to go? Are you willing to spend six months without a salary? These are things that, you know, a lot of people take for granted. But when yeah. you actually live Both them, them. Mm-hmm. it's a whole different ballgame, especially, you know, somebody... It's a pressure, it's an ex- ex- stress. So, yeah. It's destructive, especially, yeah. you know, if you have a family, you have kids. It's destructive, and a lot of people. Luckily, for example, I'm I'm I'm, I'm independent, so I can allow myself to go Have through this, hardships. Yeah, this, that, yeah, uh, this free time, yeah, 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 yeah. That some people unfortunately are not willing to go through. So it's very important to understand before you launch yourself in in a startup to understand it's a marathon. And uh, there are a lot of sacrifices that are going to happen, and you're going to have massive emotional roller coasters. And uh, you'll just be willing to accept them and yeah. make sure that the people around you understand that, whether close family and so on, so because you're going to need support at some point in time. And to okay. make sure you're, uh, sorry, to make sure you're, you're creating a product that has a need, you know, especially nowadays, every day there's a startup that is coming out. So at the end of the day, you need to make sure you're creating something. That's why, uh, sorry, one more point uh, you have. Before, you know, investors always used to focus on market size. Yeah, they used to place a massive emphasis on that. You know, I never took it that seriously okay. uh, until with time, I started understanding that it's actually the most important thing. Because yeah. at the end of the day, you can build an amazing product that has a $5 million market size. It will stop here. So this is something as well, very important to make sure you're building something that has a scalable, yeah, a scalable market appetite. Market. Exactly. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to stay where you are and eventually you're going to die off. Let me ask you this oh, question yeah. based on this uh, mindset and uh, all those kind of things. Do you think there's a specific age for someone to start his own journey of entrepreneurship? Like, you know, either at the, at, as a young age or like at the old age? Do you think there's an age? Look, uh, 
honestly, Ihab, I'm the wrong guy to ask. I am okay. <laughs> all about risk. You could be 12 and tell me one. But let's say one day I have, I have kids. I will be the first one to encourage. I have no, there's no rules. But obviously, okay. the younger you are, the less mature you are. So obviously, you're much more prone to make mistakes. Yet, most of the biggest successful entrepreneurs started out at 20. So there's no rules. For me, that is the traditional thinking that we live in. Go educate, get educated. For me, even I've reached a point where, okay, should I go spend three hundred thousand dollars for my education, mm. or I can actually take those three hundred thousand and uh, start the business? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm in. I'm of this school personally because, at the end of the day, I I uh, I have some people in the office who are uneducated, uh, and learn software engineering by themselves. So at oh, the wow. end of the day, yeah, yeah, of course. I, I mean, you know, it's one of those industries that you can learn by yourself. So um, this, I think the sooner you do it, I, I, for example, starting a business at 35 has pros and cons. Starting mm. a business at 21, 22, you have room for failure, if you yes. see my point. Yes, so, and, and for me, uh, uh, somebody who started a business, failed in the business for, say, three, four years, Versus me hiring somebody who worked in a multinational. No, I definitely prefer the candidate who failed in the business. Because you will learn from me. his mistake. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Because you know, when you learn from your own mistakes, you'll never do it again. Yeah, Usually. Absolutely. So, you know, there's no rule, but I'm, I'm, I'm for taking risks. I'm a big risk taker. So I, I'm for taking risks and just bear the consequences if something, I mean, accept the consequences if, you know, yeah. uh, things go sour. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But Emil, it was really great talking to you today and uh, we can take it forever. This discussion is really Same here, Ihab. Same here. My pleasure. My pleasure. And, uh, thank you so much for joining us today and thank you for our listeners. Stay tuned and subscribe to our next Pathways to Business Success podcast and I look forward to speaking to you again. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you and bye-bye. Thank you, Ihab. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Pathways to Business Success podcast. It has been a pleasure to have you and I hope you have enjoyed our episode. If you would like to listen more to our experts, interview and amazing speakers, please subscribe and come and find us on www.ihabtabara.com.